Podcasting straight from North Carolina is Dr. Jennifer Eichner-Lowry sharing her author journey with you. Jen Lowry writes is a place where amazing things happen for authors and readers together. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate podcast host. Jen is just the bird singing the song. She is a published author, educator, homeschool mama, life coach, and dreamer. Join her on the daily journey of discovering what this writing life is all about. Let's see what she will be led by the Holy Spirit to talk about today. Here's Jen. Thanks for supporting my Jen Lowry Writes podcast. My purpose is to inspire and encourage others to chase after their writing goals with faith and courage. By hitting the support this podcast button and with your monthly contribution of 99 cents, $4.99 or $9.99, you are helping me chase after mine. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Jen Lowry Writes. Today, I'm so excited. I've got Phil Barker here, guys. He is the young adult author of The Climb. I cannot wait to talk more. I got to tell you about his bio first so you know who we're working with. So, young adult literary fiction author Philip Barker believes it is important to do something every day that scares you, even if it's only a little bit. It means you're pushing yourself to experience new things. Through his writing, he aspires to provide young readers a different perspective, to put emotions into words so that they can hopefully feel a way that they normally wouldn't or even wouldn't want to. So, Philip, it's so nice to have you here. And we can do the ooh-ah. So, look at Klein, guys. Look how beautiful this cover is. Like, amazing. Absolutely gorgeous. Uh, Phil, hey. Hello. Tell us all about you. About me? Yes, um, we need to know. Author world. What's up with you? Okay. Um, I'm a teacher. My, uh, first, I've been teaching since I was 20. I'm 29 now. And I feel like I'm finally kind of getting the hang of it, which is lovely. Um, started teaching English. And um, yeah, I just kept teaching kids how to write stuff. And then I got to a point where I was thinking, I should probably do some of this because I keep telling kids how to do stuff, and ha- but I haven't actually been applying it very much, which felt weird. And my wife is a designer, and um, and she works at a university. One of the parts of her job is she needs to work in the field, otherwise they won't keep her employed. And I think <laughs> that sounds logical. If I'm teaching kids how to write, I should probably start writing. So I tried it out, and I just started writing a whole bunch of random stuff. Oh my computer you're good you're good so i started writing a whole bunch of random stuff and i was like oh this is not good enough that's not good enough this isn't as good as kafka what i'm not going to change the world with this i need to write something else good so i ended up writing about a hundred starts to stories and i was like they're just not good enough and then um my wife finally snapped at me she's incredible she's like really really supportive it's great um and she finally snapped. She said, you just need to write something already. I'm sick of hearing the start of a story. And I want to hear how it happened. And I did the um, Neil Gaiman masterclass with some of the kids at school. Yes. Well. Wait, you did it with the kids too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a writing club. Uh, some of the kids like writing. And I much prefer teaching, like spending time with those kids than spending time with all the sporty kids that everyone else seems to want to hang out with. Like, no, they're boring. I, these are the interesting kids. <laughs> so 
we did that. And um, one of the things he said was, you have to finish things. Even if you're not proud of them, you have to finish them because then they're done. Otherwise, you get used to not finishing them. So, so I put down a random storyline that was pretentious and awful. And I look back in hindsight and I go, oh, what was I thinking? But I finished it. And that was the first draft of, of Climb. Climb, look at you, Climb. Look how far Climb has come. Thank you. It's it's so different to when it started because we just kept editing it and editing it and editing it until it finally, like, I actually felt proud to read it. This <laughs> was the first draft. I got the bits and I went, oh, dear. If someone was to, if I was to read that in class, I'd be paying it out right now. I'm going to fix that. And that was great. I don't know where I was going with that original point. But it, it's a good point to make because you did a quality check. You said, could I read this aloud to my students? without cringing or hiding under the desk, right? Because, <laughs> you know, okay, I'm a teacher too. So, yeah. you know, like how much we would get it if we shared something that was not to their liking. They would just tell us straight up. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's really cool being a teacher and I will always be a teacher no matter how much writing I do or if I write any more books. Um, I always want to be a teacher because the kids keep you in check. Oh, they do. They <laughs> no do. What you say or what you do, you could have just cured cancer, and they'd be like, "Well, hmm, did you do it the right way, or did you cure cancer by um, not coming to school and teaching us?" So, I really like it. The kids really hold you accountable to things. It's great. And I also love though how you're sharing that writing experience with them. Mm. And it's not just about okay, I'm teaching them some things. Now I've got to apply it because you're a model. Like, have you thought about your modeling and how you're that role model for kids? No, but now that I do think about that, I'm terrified and I'm going to start micromanaging everything I do. <laughs> Great. Um, oh, damn. Okay. I've never really thought of it that way. That's going to be an interesting thing on Monday when I go into school. I actually look at if the kids actually copy me. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? But they've seen that you've overcome that beginning first steps of I had a hundred things yeah. that I felt were not good enough. But because I had this courage and this perseverance to not give up on a dream, I found the one that could matter, that mattered in that space, which was climb. Um, arguably, I wouldn't actually, I'd say that I forced myself to finish this one. Because one of the things I learned while I was writing it is that nothing you ever write will be good the first time. And when I came to terms with that, it made life so much easier. It yes. was like, okay, I'm just going to write. So this may be good. It may be bad. Either way, I'm going to deal with it later. The scary thing right now is just putting words on paper. So I put a, um, I got a big poster laminated um, and put it up in my classroom and also on my wall. Which I'm not going to move my camera because I think I may ruin everything. Um, is uh, anything you write is 100% better than anything you don't write because um, then we can edit it. And um, Stephen King did this cool thing where he said he writes 2,000 words a day um, or he doesn't let himself sleep, which is insane. But I took a bit of that idea and ooh, I was like, okay, I'm going to write 2,000 words every day. And for the first book, um, I was like, I'm going to write and write and write and write. Um, but then I hit a wall for the first book. Um, but fortunately for me, which unfortunately for lots of people, um, I broke my foot. And I read that in your I read that in your news article. 
Oh. Well, that's the wrong spot. Anyway, there's a giant. You've got a giant boot that I'm just using an imprint. Yeah. 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 See there you go. There. I see there. Yeah. Oh, it's terrible. So, I'm never sure that on a webcam again. But yeah. that's okay because now we're a part of Phil Barker's life. And in the hospital, I read your article where you were in the Gazette and you were talking about how the nurses kind of y'all were just you were observing and had time. So tell me about that. You broke your foot. You had time. Yeah. Um, so I was, I broke my foot and they said for two weeks, I couldn't actually do anything to it because it was too puffed up and swollen. So they said, um, you've officially broken your foot really, really well. Good work. We can't touch it until it's not swollen. Otherwise we're going to cut into it. It's going to go everywhere, which isn't cool. So I had two weeks of doing absolutely nothing and I was playing video games for the first week. But then I realized, why am I not, why am I wasting this time? So I just started writing Stephen King style. 2,000 words every single day. And then I spoke to some of the nurses and um, whenever I was stuck, I'd ask them, hey, if this happened, what would you do? And they'd say, oh, well, I have had something like that happen. And then they'd tell me a story and then I would use that story to um, add to the next bit. And then if it stayed in, it stayed in. If it didn't, it didn't, but it was still on the page, which meant that I had done something, which was what I was trying to do. Which is absolutely one of the best backstories of how you build a book <laughs> because it's like a true lived experience right in the moment pushing through you talk you know in your book it says you know there's this character who has grit right mm. she's got this grit about her but that's you writing the story like you are not giving up until this story is done and I love how you said, like, now going back, it's the editing and editing. Like, how many rounds do you think you did to kind of get it to the place that Climb is now, out um, into the world? Before I gave it to an editor, I gave it to my mother-in-law, who is, um, she actually has uh, chronic pain. So she pretty much lives in the house out the front of our house because um, she can't do much. Um, but she's, her mind is insane. It's so good. Her, she's so smart, but and, um, she hasn't, she hasn't been able to do much because she's had this mindset where she can't do anything for the last like 30 years. But mm. as soon as I threw a copy of my draft at her and said, I want you to read that and tell me what you think. And she said, Oh, I don't know if I can. I was like, well, you read a book every week. I would like for you to read my book. And I would like for you to tell me if it's good or not. She went, okay, whatever. Okay, but I might give you bad, there is no good bad feedback. You might like it, you might not like it. Just read the book, read it. And then she read it, and then she started giving all this feedback. She ended up going through, like, almost line by line and circling, okay, why does this character do this? Why does this character do this? What? Why is this? And her brain just started igniting. It was so cool. So now she's my full-time editor. Who Love I it. But I live with her, so... <laughs> <laughs> so, you've got the best editor though yeah because they're straight up to the point letting you know the good the bad and the ugly yeah right um i got to third draft and then i gave it to her and then i did two more drafts after that and then i gave it to the professional editor who's this really cool guy called dominic in england who i found on a website called readsy um yes published yes. without readsy it's the coolest and then he went through it and he checked it for um all uh if what was it, it was an assessment so it's saying like how would this fit in the market is it actually worth doing 
And once he'd done that, he sent it back again. <laughs> and then I went through it again. And then I sent it out for first reviews. And one of the reviewers says, well, maybe if you edited it more, it would be better. And that was the lowest review I'd ever got. It was three stars. I was like, oh, mm. God. I'm a fraud. This is awful. Um, I got so angry. I read a I read a blog post about how how much I hated that reviewer, <laughs> but she was totally right. The review was a hundred percent correct. I read through it again. I was like, oh, this is not the right copy. And I realized that I'd sent her like the third draft instead of the. Oh like, my gosh! So I sent it back to Dom. I said, like, "What the hell? You didn't do your job. Tell yourself out." He went, "Actually, you can calm down because I did do my job." And you gave her the wrong copy. So we're going to sort this out. <laughs> that didn't work out very well. Hey, lesson learned. Check yeah. your copies. Check your copies. File things properly. I filed it so badly that when I was looking for anything, it was um, just like sifting through piles of rubbish. And it's because I had so many random drafts here and there that I changed one or two things. For the second one, I have sorted all of those problems out. So I don't have that same issue again. Yeah, I do it by date. I actually add dates mm. to my files so that way I can look on the last date like that I've done it because I'm like you feel I have so many that I'll just yeah. keep saving it and saving it and I'll get lost and I don't want to send an old one. So I'm definitely like naming it insane things yeah. and then putting dates beside those insane names that I've named it like really. Mm -hmm. But so I just heard something you said now that you've on the second one. Oh, is that it you, whoa, um, it's written. Oh yeah. my gosh, y'all. Listen to yeah. this. Oh, there it is. I see it. Ooh, look at the process. Look at his notebook. These are all notes from my editor, which was my mother-in-law. Because um, I gave uh, this one, I knew what I wanted to do roughly. These are still more notes from her. She went crazy with this one. It's I the absolutely story. love it. Love it. And finally, we get to, there we go. Um, that's it there, ready for um, editing. But uh, she tore this one to shreds. Awesome I, editor. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I applied the same Stephen King method again. And um, it was also that um, trying to find positives in really, really horrible times. And it was during the COVID lockdowns, and we didn't have it quite as severely as you guys in America. I'm so sorry to bring it up in a like a no, trivial, that's fine. That's but fine. we had it was less severe over here because we're very isolated. Um, and I live in the mountains, so we had we got lots less people. Um, so they said all the schools are on lockdown, and because I teach special needs, I had to go in and teach like two kids. <laughs> so there wasn't really much to do. So then whenever I'd, um, whenever they were all doing work, I'd say, today I'm just going to write another chapter. And in 30 days, I'm going to write 30 chapters, and then I will have done the second book. Do you know and that's my process yeah. too, Phil? I do the same exact thing. I do a chapter a day when I write. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And, and it's kind of like the NaNoWriMo. Like if you've ever been a part of NaNoWriMo, it's like 1,600 plus words a day. So Stevie what is going to write that down? Oh, NaNoWriMo. You definitely need to become a part of that writing community. Um, absolutely love it. And they have, um, in November, they have a big push where you write a novel in a month. And they yeah. have all kinds of online support, forums, community building, uh, free webinars you can go to. and It's just a really great community, NaNoWriMo. And 
So that whole Stephen King concept of the 2000, NaNoWriMo kind of takes that in and they have these pushes throughout the year where they try to get authors together to write their novels in a month. So it is so doable. So I'm glad yeah. that you embrace that to try yeah. it because that's the actual method that works for me too. And one, because we're teaching and because we have family, because we have responsibilities, if we can push that in and get that first draft on the page, what an accomplishment, right? Oh, yes. Because because then you have to edit all of it, right? You can't edit the blank page. You got to have something there to get down. So yeah. I just I love it. So talk to me about the Abbeydale Collective. Like, where did that whole come from with the independent publishing Abbeydale Collective? I like it. Um, honestly, it was from me being too scared to promote myself. So um, I the, the first copy of Climb was I was really proud of it and I really wanted to do it. And I'm just thinking of a nice way to say this so that I don't insult me. Um, I've worked with a lot of people because I've been working as a teacher since I was 20, which I technically started when I was 19 because I finished uni early because I started early. And um, I've worked with a lot of people that I don't respect and also that I've found that are in their field, but I don't believe that they're very good at what they do. And that's just my opinion, but it doesn't really matter. Um, however, this is my book, so it does matter. It's not a case of I can just call the parents and say, okay, that's the school policy. It doesn't matter what I say because that's the school policy. We have to do that. And if that person decided to undo all of the hard work of all the other teachers, then that's not my call. But now it is because it's my book. Yeah. So, I don't want someone going through and changing everything I like about my book. Right. Um, my it was kind of like a bucket list item. I just wanted to have a book that I could look at on my on my bookshelf and say I wrote that book. And, and it um, was done in your way and your control yeah. and all through your steps and your editorial yeah. process. You could take what you needed yeah, or yeah. you could decide yeah. not to yeah, take. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I needed that first. Um. Is it good enough? So I I. I sent it to Dom, who was the editor in England. I said, okay, is this good enough for me to actually edit? And he said, yeah, yeah, definitely. You get it published in a second because it's not a bad story and you've been teaching writing for ages, so you're not a bad writer. Um, but So I wanted to do it myself so that not only could I have control over it, I'm not just a control freak, there are more other Well, reasons. no, there are positive benefits yeah, of having self-publishing because of that sense of that control and, and that outlet. So, yeah, so, it, so it's not like control in a negative way, but it's control in a positive way for your business. Oh, hopefully. Um, it's also, I want to tell the kids, because um, we keep doing the writing club, I want to tell them why you should either self-publish or publish through a, a publisher. And if I'd self-published it, I could then say, okay, this is all of the rings I had to jump through in order to get to this stage. This is the amount of money that it ended up costing me that I stole off my wife that she will find out about at some point. No, <laughs> Maybe at the end of this show because I'm not editing anything. So she's going to find out like in 30 minutes maybe. Oh, no. um, <laughs> Brace yourself, Phil. Cat <laughs> Churchill, the illustrator. Um, Love she, it. Is incredible and I knew an illustrator and so I was like why would I want a publisher to go and potentially make a terrible cover if I have an illustrator friend who knows the style knows 
she, we've been talking about the book for over a year every time we went climbing so she gets it i love her style and it's kind of like the grungy australian feeling that i want which she's really amping up for the second book we were talking about the illustrations the other day and um there was also just like little design things we wanted to do like i wanted to have um little notes in it yes i love it and you can go to the look inside on amazon guys and you'll be able to see some of those notes i love it yeah and um because it, it's story first and um rock climbing second whenever there was anything that was rock climber -y, just in so that people didn't lose track of what's going on they've just got like little pictures but i realized that if i didn't if i went through a publisher they might say well, it's good that you think that, but we think that if you just put a vocabulary at the start, that might be better. But which you did. You did have your glossary. You do have a, a rock climbing glossary. You have a rock climbing glossary. That was um, originally, actually, we were meant to have the glossary. Is it will be in the second one. We wanted to have kind of like a. Have you read How to Train Your Dragon? I've not read it, but I've seen it. Oh, um, the books are incredible. You should check it out. Um, I think I should have a copy here. Take all ten seconds for me to get it. It's really cool because throughout the whole book, it's kind of, it's written and then it has like little um, scribbles by the author. Love it, love it. That explain stuff. It's kind of like the author is going through and writing their own notes. Middle grade's really amazing. I'm telling you, I love the style. I love yeah. it. And um, I wanted to have all of the terms next to all of the sections. Like she's like, Ashley, the main character, has gone through and screw all the definitions for anyone that doesn't understand it. Um, but then we realized that putting that together with the Ingram Spark book builder was too hard. And and um, then Kat got quite grumpy with me because she'd already written all of the um, annotations. So for the second edition, we found out how we can put those back in and we're able to actually have it in the official, official um, how we want it to go. And um, back on the Abbeydale Collective thing, um, I did not want to promote myself because I thought that would make me look like, and I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this, but I hope for a wanker, um, because I'm just constantly saying, check out more of my stuff. How yeah. cool am I? Right. And in Australia, we tend not to do that very much because of our English heritage. English we tend not to do that here either. I actually just had a conversation with authors this morning in our author group, and we were discussing about how we didn't want to come across as, we called it oily. You know, yeah. that's the word that we use. Just like, you know, uh, here's me. So, you know, oftentimes we will uplift all of the authors around us Which without, without even promoting ourselves at all. Oh, yeah. Right. We just like yeah. uplift everybody. And then yeah. we just like, well, we've got a bunch of books out, too, but we don't really talk about us at all. So we have to find a balance. Yeah. That makes know? sense. Yeah, so we were actually talking about that today, Phil, about that's kind of the part about the author world, the business of authorship that is very difficult to navigate. Mm -hmm. Like, of course, writing the book is hard. Going through editing is hard. I'm not saying any part of it's easy. Like the interior formatting and figuring out your platforms, all of that is difficult. Yeah. But then when you get the book out there, it doesn't stop. Mm. That makes sense. Oh, and um, before I went on my tangent, the main um, thing I wanted no, to mention um, these, there's no way that I could make this book on my own. Like, it's not Philip Barker's book. I didn't want to put my name on the front cover. I wanted to put, like, 10 different people. But then um, Pat said that I'm not allowed to, and I should put my name. But um, in reality, it does, you can't make it on your own. You can't do anything on your own. Most things in life, I find, you can't do on your own. Well, you, you technically can, but it won't be very good. And um, so I made Abbeydale Collective so that I could actually give everyone the credit that 
they wanted that they not they wanted they just they deserve yeah they um, deserve they want credit they're all quiet they're all sold the sole traders they were like well we don't care I was like well you should care so here you go so we made um Abidale Collective so that I could promote it easier easier without stressing about looking like a tosser but also so that I can give the credit to people who deserve it which is if you go to the website one of them is meet the crew and it has yes. there and links to all of their um if you want to hire them if you want to meet them if you want to do any of that if you like the art style of the book you don't need to go through me you can just go and talk to Kat it's on the on the website it has a link to her website as well if you want to mm-hmm. see all of her cool stuff if you want to see um if you want to work with Dom it's on the website go work with Dom he wants more people to um he wants more stuff to edit he loves editing the other people we had were um we had a um we have Helen who is my editor who's my mother-in-law she's on there everyone that helped work on the book is on there and if yeah, we should share that with everyone, shouldn't we? Yes, we should. And your website is phenomenal. Thank you. That was a guy called, um, oh, no, I forgot his name because I haven't worked with him in six months now. Um, I, an incredible website <laughs> editor. And a, oh, Ron. His name was Ron. Yes. So um, Ron, did a, a, Ron and you did an amazing job at yeah. designing that and just making it feel like just an extension of the book. Like it's oh, just, thank you. yeah. And I got on there, checking everything out. And I was like, look at all these people, look at who you're honoring. Like I had to know the story about the collective because, and I love to hear that feel because mm-hmm. you've recognized that your authorship is not something you do alone. Oh, God, and that's, God. and that's oh. going to help you through every single book. Yeah. You know, regardless if, you know, you stay with the path of self-publishing, if you decide in the future for traditional publishing, it's all a collective. It's all, you know, it is. Yeah. It's it's a beautiful concept, though, because that's yeah. what we are. We're a working body, working on the same goal, working on the same vision is to put out books that really do matter and can help. Like you said, you know, that emotion, that experience, that thrill in a clean setting that could be put out there like in a grade eight or could be put in a bookstore and you could be proud of that. Like talk to me about the bookstore thing because I, I, I got to ask you this before we sign off. Like how oh. was that approaching bookstores for the first time? Absolutely terrifying. Possibly the most terrifying thing I've ever done. Actually, no, recording the audiobook was the most terrifying thing I've ever done in my entire life, including breaking my my ankle. I would rather break my ankle again than do the audiobook. <laughs> because you were nervous about the about it recording and actually setting up the requirement standards, or just oh, your no. voice? My my stupid voice. I was um, I was like, who would want to listen to me? And also, um, listening to your amazing accent now. One of the characters is American, and he's from um Texas. And I I tried to do a oh embarrassingly bad American accent. I said, no, I'm stopping now. I'm quitting <laughs> while I'm ahead. I'm going to re-record just... <laughs> those chapters so that I don't insult an entire country. And then I'm going to start again. And yeah, just, um, it's not my thing. I, I don't normally do it, but um, it's that whole pushing and trying new stuff, which I realized at that point, maybe I was trying too much too quickly. So I started doing um, smaller increments every day. Like I'm going to record, I'm going to look into, um, what are good things that um, voice recordings do and that instead of getting straight into it. So for the first like two weeks, I made a list of stuff I can do every single day to like build up my confidence. And good. with um with um, my, I ended up buying a professional, ooh, a professional, hey, 
And then I realized that it's too good. So it keeps picking up all the birds outside. So I ended up building a little, um, like under the stairs of my house, I ended up building a shady little Harry Potter-esque cupboard under the stairs room where I can record and I covered every all the pillows and the walls and all of that. And I could record it in there. And that was cool. Except it overheated after about five minutes. But so, that, so you got a chapter in sweating and then got out of there so you could breathe and live. <laughs> But you know, there again, just like you are out there researching and trying it. So when I read back on your bio, mm. Ella Barker believes it is important to do something every day that scares you, even mm. if it's only a little bit. Mm. You live by that, Phil. Yeah. But the other thing is I do a lot more than the average person because I have ADHD. So I can't stop. I'm quite jittery. Cash, it's not clear. Um, um, so I, if something's not working, I was like, no, it's not working. Do something else. And I tend not to get too down on myself. So that's another gift that I've been given. Um, and like in an average day, people will say they'll do this amount of stuff. And they'll say, oh, what did you do, Phil, yesterday? And I'll start listing off the 10 things I did in the morning before I even really left my room. And like, oh, wow, you're insane. <laughs> But it's a gift. It is a gift. Yeah. It is a gift. And it is creative. And you are creative. And I am just so happy. Huh? Say it again. I look forward to reading your books as well. Yay. Thank you. Thank you. I know that um, for you, teaching, family life, now the book, second book out. You got to hop back. I know we're busy, but when you get that second book going, you got to get back on the show and tell us like lessons you've learned the second go around. Oh, thank you so much. If and how, yes, I'm having you again. So just email me when you're ready and we'll plan another. And guys, we'll actually plan it on the correct time zones. So my Friday is his Saturday and we won't make that mistake again. <laughs> so you guys can infer on uh, this is our second attempt at doing this interview so thank you phil for all of that understanding you, <laughs> but um but guys phil where do you live out on social media so if people want to contact um, you i know that um you've got the collective the abbeydale collective online your website's amazing your books yeah. on amazon and all where yeah. books are sold so i'm gonna put those links but are you out on social media much where people could follow you Yes, they, um, I am, uh, but I, I need to change my name. I'm not sure how to do that because it's not technically my name. It's my old uni name. So it's, um, uh, can I like make it, can I type it somewhere so it pops up on the screen or something? Oh my goodness. If only we could. Go ahead and put it into the private chat and then we can share it out. Maybe we can do it that way. Yes, hold it up. And I have that private chat over there. Um, so guys, I will put all of the links below so you'll be able to to follow him once we find out where Phil lives out on social media. But I just guys, I want to tell you how awesome it is that we have a platform where we can sit and fellowship and talk about writing and books all day. And we could just do this through, you know, social media, through Facebook groups, through writing communities through NaNoWriMo forums, you've got so many opportunities to connect with writers, whether they're in the United States or Australia or New Zealand, like Mark, or just around the world. So, Phil, what you got? Let's got, see it. It's at pbarky02. Oh, we got it. We're going to remember that. Okay, guys, you see it? Follow. Follow. And I'm going to put it under. 
Um, and I'm going to tag you and introduce you to some of my author friends who are absolutely amazing today. So you can get connected with some more, um, not just Australian writers, but some people in the U.S. that are just some really great supportive authors working in the YA space. Um, because do you feel like you're going to always be in the young adult space? Are you going to stay young adult? Are you kind of thinking that some of those 100 ideas go outside of the teenage space? Where where are you at with your future thoughts about your space right now? I, I'm a I'm a 29 year old teenager, so I will always live in the young adult right. space. Yes. Also, Yes. I, the way I see teenagers is very different to the way other people do. I don't see them as these kind of whiny, annoying things. I, I think they're actually quite cluey. So I try to present them that way, and I hope that I hope that people like the way I present them. If they don't, it's totally cool, and I would love to hear um, that they don't because then I'll stop doing it. But um, I feel like I've got something to offer in that state for now, so I, I don't really have any ambitions to do anything. Awesome. Yeah, YA and middle grades is that's my comfort. That's my place. So that's where I love to stay too. So, so Phil, it was so nice meeting you again, guys. Thank you so Thank you. much for joining us on Jen Lowry Writes. And I hope you guys have a blessed day. All right, Thank bye. You. Now that you found me on the Jen Lowry Writes podcast, I challenge you to head over to where books are sold and find me there. I've published 11 books so far, and I write clean books for all ages. Horror, paranormal, sweet romance, fantasy, historical fiction, you name it. I've got your genre. Search Jen Lowry at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Kobo, and more. And for my Bible devotionals, you'll see my full name, Dr. Jennifer Eichner Lowry on Amazon. So I challenge you today to go out there and write something inspiring and share it with the world. Thanks for joining me on Jen Lowry Writes. You guys have a blessed day.